gives it to Wall. Working against Bradley for three. Oh, what a shot. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Bledsoe back to pass, steps up, going deep, caught ball! T.O. is leveled by Sean Taylor, and he's slow getting up. There's going to be a run back from 9 deep for Jacoby Jones, and look at him go! Jones is past the 50, and he is flying! Inside the 20, and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record! Holding inbounds to Nicholas. Four seconds, three seconds, he's across midcourt. Two seconds, one second, throws it up. Money. And he got it! And the Terrapins win on the shot by Nicholas at the buzzer! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Hayes win! Puck in front, Connolly with a chance, and they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to the DMV Dispute brought to you by DMV Sports Network. You can follow us on Twitter at DMV Dispute. And I'm your host, Jeremy. You can follow me on Twitter at JSquared021. I'm joined today by my boys, Gerard and Darren. How are you all doing? Doing good on this. How y'all doing? Fantastic. Doing great. All right. Darren, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at dbirdhoops. That's D-B-I-R-D hoops on Twitter. And what about you, Jerron? They can find me on Twitter at RoddyKG. That's at R-O-D-D-Y-K-G on Twitter. All right. As always, we are proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports websites in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and that is dmvsportsnetwork.com. They can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at dmv underscore sn. They have some great daily content on the website of all things DMV sports, whether it be professional, college, high school sports, and a lot more. So after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. In addition, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, and many more. All right, let's get to our first topic for this episode. The Washington Redskins released starting linebacker Mason Foster a day before training camp started. So with his absence, let's start with you, Darren. Which linebacker do you think will replace Foster as a starter? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, John Bostic. Uh, I know we we just signed him. Uh, I I think you know he's apparently the earliest reports out of training camp are that you know he's he's picking up the he's he's picking up the defense really quickly. He's picking up uh, everything really quickly, and you know he's already becoming a bit of a presence. Uh, looking at a little bit of the things he's done in the past, uh, I think he's a good guy to sort of to sort of take over that that role that we're not going to have. Uh, Mason Foster signing uh, or Mason Foster getting cut was, I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not too you know bummed out by that. You know, there's some questions as far as who's going to replace him, but I think you know uh, 
bringing in bringing in John Bostic, I think that's going to be a good move. Uh, I think that Sean Sean Dion Hamilton, you know, he has potential to possibly to possibly fit that role. You know, he's also looking good, but you know, he he's still in the second season. It's still kind of early. I don't know if he's quite ready. Uh, I think our uh, I think our rookie is. I wouldn't be able to pick between like uh, SDH and and our rookie, but I think that John Bostic is the guy that can kind of fill, uh, you know, the void left by Mason Foster, you know, and especially with you know Ruben Foster going down and you know talk about possibly moving Ryan Anderson to the position. I think that's not a great idea either because you know it's going to hurt our depth uh, there, but. You know, I think that John Bostic definitely has what it takes to to sort of fill that void and, you know, cover what we're losing in Mason Foster. So that's where I'm going with that. Um, I pretty much agree with you. That's what I think a lot of people are expecting. A lot of yeah. local coverage of the team. That's what they're all reporting. Um, I've heard rumblings of this, and I've maybe read an article or two, but I'm thinking that they might go a little bit of the experimental route. They'll they cut Foster because you know they liked him. He wasn't a standout guy for the most part. And with Boston coming in, he's a younger version of yeah. what Mason Foster gives you. Pretty much the same style of play as Mason Foster. Like I said, just a little bit younger. Um, and cheaper, which not by much, but it's still the same thing. Um, something that you have to uh, take notice of. You mentioned Sean Deion Hamilton. I really like him. I think they liked him a lot coming out of uh, college last year. Of course, he's an Alabama guy. I right. think that they like what the potential connection between him, Allen Payne, Collins, uh, Anderson could all be playing at that next level. Sean Dale Hamilton was really good at Alabama. He just had a whole laundry list of injuries that really kept him from being a top two draft, like a, a first or second round guy in the draft because he had the talent that you, uh, of linebackers that went at that, at that position. He just had too many injuries. And you knew coming into the league that he'd have to rehab a little bit from those injuries. And now he's healthy. He had a full all season of 100% healthy to really integrate himself with the team. Um, and so I like it. I think that they might be looking to sure up um, – and focus more on their on the strongest part of their of their team, not just the defense, but the team itself, and that being the defensive line, where they know that's their best positional group. That's where they have the most depth, and they know they're weak at linebacker already as far as talent and depth goes. So they might be looking to play a little bit more nickel or have a little bit more formations where they have four, di- four down linemen and only three linebackers. And so a guy like Foster, who can't really cover that well, it becomes a liability, and if you have a guy like Bostic on your team, you want to get um, you want to get yourself in a position to succeed on every down. And I think that Sean Deion Hamilton can potentially be an every linebacker, every down linebacker kind of guy if you can stay healthy. And you want to see what you got in Ryan Anderson, who's shown abilities to be 
uh, passable in coverage. And you have the uh, pass for specialists in Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat with Kerrigan showing that he can be serviceable um, covering zones and flats, all the interceptions and deflections he's had over the years. So I think they're just trying to go into a different philosophy of the defense. You know, you have Rob Bryant there as a linebacker's coach. So maybe he sees something and maybe he has a plan with Minuski to revamp the front seven and see what they can do differently to get more pressure on the quarterback and to be better against the run. All right. Uh, I do have, I'm going to throw a curveball at you all. We're going to introduce another topic for the Washington Redskins. NBC Sports Washington reporter JP Finley has his stock report on their website about the Washington Redskins. And he pretty much said the defensive line is looking really good and the offensive line is not looking good. I'm going to start with you, Gerard. Are you shocked by his assessment of both? Uh, both lines on um, uh, lines on each uh, side of the ball. Um, no, I've kind of just alluded to it a little bit where the defensive line is easily their best uh, positional group uh, from top to bottom. I think that they are a team that invested heavily in that with two first round picks in a row being Jonathan Allen and then the very next year being Deron Payne. Um, I think that you got guys like Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle there that are very, very good. And, you know, the only issue that they've had in their time in the league is pretty much staying healthy. But you can even look at – well, Tim Settle was a rookie last year. You just had to get him um, healthy and – uh, in shape, that was his biggest knock that Tim Settle's a little bit out of shape. But those top five of Ionitis, Payne, Allen, um, Tim Settle, and Caleb Brantley or Brantley, I think those are the guys that they want to be, that they want to focus on. That's their best group. And, you know, that's why I kind of said maybe the move to cut Foster was one where they want to focus a bit more on the front seven, and they might look at their roster and say they might be a little bit more suited for four three or to run primarily nickel formations, and that front that defensive line is going to be a big part of that. But as far as the offensive line goes, it's uh, it's easily the worst positional group now, maybe second to receivers, um, just because there's no real talent at the, off- at the receiver side of it. But the offensive line, you go by break it down. The left tackle, Trent Williams, he's holding out, wanting a new deal or to be dealt. Uh, so you gotta figure that so you gotta figure that out. We don't know who's gonna be starting a left guard. You brought in Eric Flowers uh in the free agency, but he's had issues in the league this first four years in. You got rookie uh Wes Martin, um who is expected to fight for the uh starting position and hopefully win it. Chase Roulier is a salt. It's a solid center. He's not bad. He's not awful. He's not great. He's not that good. He's you know just serviceable at best. Brandon Sheriff's coming off a uh, Brandon Sheriff's coming off a injury uh, prone season, 
And so you don't know what you want to get out of him either. He looks really good, but you got to see how he comes back from his first major injury in his career. And Morgan Moses is probably the most serviceable, most dependable guy that you have on that line right now. A lot of reports saying he looks really good coming back and uh, lost some weight, taking a leadership role since Trent's been out. And so you like to hear that, you like to see that. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But there's so many question marks all up and down off the line that you just don't know what's going on. And there's a very real possibility that you don't have Trent Williams coming in to start week one against Philly. And they have a really good front seven. And you don't want Trent Williams out against a team like that. So hopefully they can work it out. But I'm not surprised at all by what J.P. Philly said. Yeah, I, I'm I'm also not surprised. I mean, even <laughs> even even... Jay Gruden has kind of uh, alluded to the fact that he's, you know, he's a little worried uh, about the offensive front line. I think or the offensive line. I mean, I think uh, especially with the Trent Williams situation still looming over the team, and with that headed into the beginning of the season, I think that's not that that's something to definitely worry about. Uh, yeah. I, you pretty much echoed exactly what I was going to say. There's a lot of question marks with this offensive line, much more so than the defensive line. I mean, you know, the defense last season was pretty good to start to start the the year until you know injuries started really taking their toll and and really defeating us. Uh, and I think I think that that's really going to be the question. Again, that's always sort of the question with the Redskins. It's like who's going to be healthy? Uh, who's going to be who's going to be able to play, you know, the best ability is availability. Um, so, but I'm not worried about our defense, but with our offense, you know, there's plenty of reasons to be, to be concerned. You know, the offense is going to look completely different this year. And so far, you know, we don't even really know what it's going to look like. You know, we, we don't, we don't know who's really going to step out on the field. You know, we don't know what Eric Flowers is going to be. Uh, like you said, you know, uh, Moses, one of the one of the biggest things, he's looking lighter. I think one of the reports is that, like you, I think you mentioned this, but you know, he's looking lighter on his feet. He's gonna be uh, a leader out there. Um, but other than that, you know, you, you've you've got all these positional needs. That you've got questions about, you know, uh, another another thing that that we're still kind of, you know. Uh, kind of a side note on this is, you know, the running back situation with Geis and, and Adrian Peterson and, and, and those guys, you know, you don't know if Geis is truly going to be healthy. You know, he has been offended by it, but, you know, it's like I said, you need to be available and we don't know what you're going to look like. We don't know what these going to look, these guys are going to look like together. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of question marks as far as this offensive line goes but i'm not concerned about the defense i think it's really especially for the first two, the first few games of the season it's going to have to be our defense it's going to be holding it down holding down the fort especially stepping out there on the field against the eagles in week 1 cuz that's going to be a good team that's going to be a huge test right off the bat to start the season and really tell us what this team is going to look like so you know i'm not surprised by jp finley's report uh as far as the offensive line goes. Uh, so that's kind of how it goes. All right. Let's now move up the road to Baltimore and talk about what's happening there at their training camp with the Ravens. Backup quarterback Robert Griffin III has a fracture in his throwing hand. Uh, 
can the Ravens, and I'll start with you, Gerard, can the Ravens go into the regular season with Lamar Jackson and Trace, Trace McSorley, the seventh-round draft pick, as their only QBs on the opening day roster? Uh, absolutely not. I don't think that it's good business to really have those be the only guys that you have left. Um because with the type of really, really, really super, super quick note, they did, they did sign uh, Joe Callahan. I think it was today or yesterday. So they, they do technically have another quarterback who's not. I mean, I, he's expected to compete with with Trace McSorley for that backup spot. But yeah, that's still just to sort of add to that. So they they do yeah, have I, another quarterback. I did on. not know that. So thanks for bringing that to our. Yeah, team. they they actually they actually interestingly enough they brought in Josh Johnson before him and they actually offered him a deal. Uh, I think it was two or three days ago they offered him a deal, but then he walked away from it because he didn't like Baltimore's roster construction. So just just as a heads up there, so they do have three, they do have three quarterbacks on the roster. But still, please continue, John. Who's the guy they tried to bring in, but they didn't, but they didn't like the Josh, roster? Josh, uh, Redskins MVP quarterback, uh, Josh Johnson, who had not thrown a pass since uh, what was it, two thousand eleven? Yeah. The same, the same Josh Johnson who finished the season out for us. Gotcha. Uh huh. Okay. I mean, so real, real quick, I know I'm interrupting you, Gerard, but the <laughs> same Josh Johnson that uh, really made Mark Sanchez look like some garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Sanchez made Mark Sanchez look like some garbage. We know that, but like, I mean. I know we're. I know it's totally off topic, but man, if Josh Johnson was actually in the lineup a little sooner, Redskins yeah. might have still had some hope, you know, going down that that stretch of the season. But didn't mean to interrupt you twice. Complete your thought, Gerard. It's all good. Like I say, I mean, at this point in free agency, they have to hope that guys get cut and they pick up somebody off the heap from there because. Um, the quarterback selection um, isn't that great as far as free agencies go at this point. I mean, the best guy available is Colin Kaepernick, but he won't get signed. So, um, you know, that's just the way it's going to go. So, you know, there's other garbage out there. Sam Bradford's probably out there, I think. Matt Cassell, Matt Castle, how you say his name, he's still out there. Um, but I think that they're going to have to play the free the preseason and just hope that a situation like how um, the backup quarterback in Philadelphia now. Uh, ooh, yeah, I, I, I forgot. He used to play name. for the Redskins. I forget his name. Yeah. But a situation like that where a team just doesn't want to carry three quarterbacks into the season. And so they have to let go um, a solid quarterback that's probably young. Um, and they luck up with that. Uh, so I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know if they're in a position to maybe want to trade for a guy because I don't know how much they value that backup position, especially with the type of office they've been running with Lamar Jackson. He'll be taking a lot of hits. And so with a quarterback like that and with a game plan like they're 
most likely going to have. A backup quarterback has a little bit more value than it does on some other teams. So maybe a trade for a guy like a Tyrod Taylor or Teddy Bridgewater might be worth it to them. Um, but, yeah, I, I think a move is going to be made at quarterback most definitely because they can look at what happened last year with the Redskins and don't want that to uh, happen where their backup situation just goes from average to awful in one or two injuries. And so – I think they will probably do something. I just don't know when and how that will take form, whether it be free agency or trades. Yeah, I I agree. I I see the points that that you that you made, and they're all super super valid points. I'm gonna go the other way, however, and I'm gonna say. When you sign RG3, there's a level of expectation that comes with that, where he's going to get injured at some point. And the Ravens had to have known this. You know, we we know it as Redskins fans. You know, the Browns knew it when they signed RG3. You know, the Ravens had to have known it, even though, you know, last year he managed to stay pretty healthy. Um, you know, I... I don't think the Ravens are as concerned. You know, they, they signed Joe Callahan. He's going to compete with, with Trace McSorley. I, I use the word compete loosely because I honestly think the, the backup is going to be, uh, McSorley's job. Um, but I, I don't think the Ravens are as worried about, uh, going into the season with an injured RG3. You know, he's, he's, He's got a recovery estimate of four to eight weeks. That's that's really just going to put him out for at worst a season opener. Um, I think that the Ravens will be kind of content. They'll be safe. They, they'll they'll they won't be so worried if he misses the season opener if they've got Trace McSorley there. I think it would be a bigger issue if it was going to be longer time, like if he's in danger of missing. You know the first part of the season instead of just like the first game. Cause the, everything, all the reports that are coming back seem to say that, you know, he'll at least be ready to go by the second or third game of the season. So I don't think they're, I don't think they're that worried. I think McSorley isn't a great backup. You know, obviously he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a backup for, for a reason. Um, you know, and, and Lamar Jackson is obviously, you know, the future of the franchise. But I think that with McSorley, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll still be able to stay afloat. Uh, he's not, I don't think he's going to like win any games or anything if anything happens to Lamar Jackson, but I think he'll be serviceable enough. Uh, I'm trying to remember who do, do we know who, who the Ravens play on, on week one? I, I don't. Week one. Let's double check that. I'm gonna be real quick. Ravens week one. Hopefully Google doesn't fail me now. The Miami Dolphins at Miami. Oh, yeah. That's uh, a one o'clock yeah. kick. Yeah, I yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried about I, I if I'm the Ravens, I'm not that worried about the Miami Dolphins in week one, uh if if we're being completely honest. Uh so yeah, I think the Ravens will be fine going to week one with, with an RG3, with an injured RG3. Now, if, if he gets reevaluated and either he's not healing fast enough or, or if something comes up, uh, and then you start looking down the line at that schedule, then you might really want to think about 
shoring things up. And also, you know, there, there's preseason. So, you know, preseason, they could very well sign another guy, uh, another quarterback, uh, and, you know, see if anyone, anyone else comes in. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, Gerard, there's, there's the possibility of maybe trading for someone. Uh, but, I think they'll be fine just going into week one, especially if it's the Dolphins with an injured RG3. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson and Trace McSorley will be fine um, going against that team. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that RG3 is recovering and that he'll be ready as soon as possible. I'm going to be real quick with this one. It is also another Ravens topic. Uh, sources are saying that Lamar Jackson in Madden, 20, I guess it'll be 2020, is supposed to be better than Michael Vick in Madden 04. If this is true, how preposterous is that? I'll start with you, Gerard. You are the video game connoisseur, I think, of us, I think. Uh, so uh, how preposterous would that be if Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick from 04? I think I have to double check. I heard something about this earlier this week. I think or early last week. I think it's Lamar Jackson is faster or like a better runner than Mike Vick in 04, but I don't think his overall is as high as Mike Vick in 04 because that would be crazy because I think his rating, they already released the rating for Madden 20. Um, because it comes out this week, I want to say his rating is low 80s. I don't think it's up where Michael Vick would have been in 2004. Um, let me pull it up now. You kind of caught me off guard, but it, it, but to answer your question, it'd be ridiculous, it'd be the most disrespectful thing to Mr. Michael Vick since the whole thing that got him arrested in the first place. Because... Maybe that maybe that maybe not wow. that extreme. Wow. But wow. It wouldn't be that extreme, but it would be it would be really bad because that era of Michael Vick was a um was a true, true one of a kind player. And Lamar Jackson, as good as he is is he even the best runner in the league at quarterback? I mean, he's the fastest and he has the he runs better than most, but I wouldn't call him this. Yeah, no. Lamar Jackson's overall in Madden uh 20 is a 76 overall, which is about right. So yeah, he's not his overall isn't better than 2004 Michael Vicks. I think he's just faster. Cause I think yeah, his speed and acceleration and agility is at 95 throughout all yeah. of them. And so he's probably faster than 904 uh Michael Vick, but that's where that's where it ends. Uh Michael Vick was an elite thrower of the football. Um and he was just a, he was even still he's a much better runner uh than uh Lamar Jackson was. But you know, that would have been that would have been crazy. That would have been just utterly ridiculous. It I, it was it's like if you made uh Zion Williamson better than two thousand and three LeBron. It's you know, you could get all excited if you want to, but it's the tape is clear of who's the better player. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm already I'm already annoyed that that NBA 2K gave Zion and what was it 81, but you know that's whatever. Um, uh, 81's, 81's okay. I I I, for, okay. I no I still I I still say I don't know I I don't know about that, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I'm I'm with you all the way. I think it's disrespectful to Michael Vick. I think Lamar Jackson is probably because I was trying to think when you said that. I'm trying to think of any other any other QB runners in the league. I don't think I can't think of any at least that are that are comparable to to Lamar Jackson. I mean, Cam I can't, yeah, I was thinking Cam Newton, but he's not Russell Wilson. Yeah, I was well. Yeah, we've and we've talked about Russell Wilson a little bit. I did make that minor comparison several weeks ago what's the um, uh quarterback up in buffalo he's a he runs pretty well uh the rook the young guy um uh uh josh allen josh allen yeah. josh allen he moves pretty yeah. well yeah but i mean you know even, even when i take those i mean honestly cam newton cam newton was the first guy that that came to mind uh when we're talking about this but um as far as comparisons go, but even then, you know, Lamar Jackson is a is maybe not a better runner, but he is faster, uh, and he does obviously, you know, he relies on his run game a lot, and Baltimore is clearly building around that. You know, their run game is going to be like the big thing, but yeah, I think it's disrespectful of Michael Vick. I mean, you know, especially. Honestly, and less so as far as the things that Lamar Jackson can actually do, because I think he can be very talented. You know, he's he's a, a super athletic. He's he's amazing in that sense. But I just I'm just kind of adamantly against you know giving young players like that. You know, a guy like Lamar Jackson making that sort of of comparison. It's like you said, comparing Zion Williams to LeBron James, you know, even though everybody's been doing it, it's like he hasn't played a single NBA game. Now, obviously, Lamar Jackson has a season under his belt at this point, um, so it's a little bit different. But still, you know, we need to see more of Lamar Jackson. We need to see what he's going to become in the future to even really think about making those comparisons legitimately. Uh, Especially to a legend like Michael Vick, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty much with you as as far as this goes. I that that seems just kind of downright disrespectful, honestly, to to Michael Vick. So you know, give it give it a few years, give it a couple of years or so, and then we can kind of start talking about that. All right, before we continue, it's time to tell you about DMV Sports Network's library of podcasts. Right now, we have nine active shows, including team shows for the Redskins, Capitals, Nationals, Wizards, and Ravens. There's Fantasy Fever, which deals with all things fantasy football, and that should be coming up soon, especially with the season starting up in less than a month. And a pair of mixed bag shows from It's About Time DC and Dom and Thunder. All of these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found. So please check them out. And if you like any of them, make sure to subscribe to them and leave a review. All right, let's now move on to our next topic, which I just had in my hand. Uh, let me bring it up again. Uh, Steven Strasburg of the Washington Nationals leads Major League Baseball with 14 wins. Start with you, Darren. Can Strasburg win his first Cy Young Award this season? I think 
Maybe, possibly. I think. I think the biggest. No, I'm no. I'm gonna say no. I, I changed my answer. No, uh, I think. I think one of. I think one of one of the biggest obstacles to that is still being sort of in Max Scherzer's shadow, kind of. I mean, you know, he's he's developing very nicely, and I just think, I just think the, I just think that not necessarily enough people are are going to be paying attention to him and and to his ability to really get him to that Cy Young award uh, this year. You know, I think. I think it's worthy. I think he's making an excellent case for himself. And I think Nationals fans will see that, but I think that outside of of Nationals fans, I think that yeah, I I don't I think he's facing some stiff competition plus being in the shadow of Max Scherzer. I think that does that does kind of hurt his chances. So um yeah, I just, I think just kind of looking at his numbers, they're really good. He's been very impressive, but yeah, I, I just, I honestly don't see it happening. Not this year. I think it's still going to be, if he can continue on this upward trajectory, if he can continue on this path, I think maybe next year, possibly, but I just, I don't see it happening this year. I, I, I can't. I was I was kind of on the fence when you start when you first asked this question, um, but no, I don't see it happening this year. I think it could happen. Uh, I think if the Nats finish strong, I think if the Nats uh, continue to just flat out win, and if they're in the playoff hunt, I think yeah. that that they will get a chance to really put themselves more in the national spotlight and people could get more eyes on Strasburg. I mean, he's a, Matt, he's a, about as well known as, you know, he's about as well known of a major league baseball player as you can be, uh, for real, you know? So I think, you know, him not being, I don't think the whole living in, oh, wow. I don't think the whole living in, Scherzer's shadow is a thing. I think he has enough talent and notoriety that his name alone kind of stands out. Yeah. So, um, I, like I said, I don't know about that. I think the thing that's going to, uh, I think the thing that might keep him out is his wins are, like you said, tops in the league, but he's not tops in, um, well, National League, he's also the leader in strikeouts yeah. uh, by a decent number, actually. And so uh, his ERA is a little high of all the projected, you know, Cy Young candidates in the NL. He's pro- he has the highest uh, ERA. I think right now it's at 326. Um, so that's a little bit high. Um, he also has the most, the second most losses of any. Uh, Cy Young uh, candidate right now, or Cy Young favorite uh, in the National League. Um, those 14 wins are nice, but he's also just flat out played in more games, so I have more to have, have had more decisions. Um, and he's had the, he's pitched the most of all the Cy Young um, leaders going into August, and so. 
I think he has a chance to do it. I think his wins and his strikeouts are a product of um, just sure volume. I think he has a decent chance. Like I said, if the team keeps winning, I don't see why he wouldn't be. If he finishes out August with, uh, if he gets his ERA down and finishes August out with uh, a strong performance and heads into the sept- heads into September with coming up on twenty wins for the season, then it's going to be hard to keep him out of the discussion. I, yeah, I see. I just, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying, and I. I, I hear that. I just, I, yeah, I don't see it happening this year. Uh, but that that's just me. I just don't see it happening this year. I mean, according according to ESPN and a couple other ones that I'm looking at, if you're looking at the Cy Young predictor or favorites, he's yeah. in the top three um, of every single one I'm seeing. And it's between, I'm going to mess up these names, uh, the picture, uh, the picture out of uh, L.A. for the Dodgers. Yeah, Hyunjin. Ryu, 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 yes, yes. Yeah, Hyun, he's pitching Hyun, really well. Yes, Hyunjin Ryu, Ryu. Yeah, he's pitching very well. Um, extremely low R, uh, ERA. He's pitching very well. Then you have Soroka out of Atlanta, who has been dominant yeah. all season long. He's had a really, really great year. You know, of course, Scherzer's uh, mentioned there. He just hasn't played. He hasn't pitched enough innings, really. He's pitched right. a decent amount. It's just it's his numbers are low, and he has been dealing with injuries. Um, Sean Doolittle's up, as you mentioned. I think that's more of a statistical thing than a truly dominant thing. I don't think he's a real Cy Young candidate. Uh, I think he's just he's had decent numbers. He's, he's had good stretches, but he has. You know, Strasburg has pitched in almost in more than more than three times as many innings as he has, and so it's. I don't think he's really going to be a true contender. So I mean, it's one of those things where you can see it happening for Strasburg. He's definitely in the mix. I think that it's just going to be a matter of whether or not. Um, it's more on the team at this point than Strasburg's performance alone. All right. Let's now move on to the Washington Wizards. Uh, Caesars Palace is giving the over-under for the 2019-20 regular season wins, and they're setting it at 28-and-a-half. Uh, starting with you, Gerard, are you betting the over or the under for the upcoming season for the Washington Wizards? At 28 and a half, betting the over or the under? Ugh. Um, uh, that's going to be tough. 20, 28 wins puts them at how many losses? I'm trying to do math. Was that 54 losses? No. Yeah, that's... 54. Yeah, that's yeah, 54. That, that's 54. Yeah, 54 losses 28 54. Yeah, 20 and 54. Ugh, ugh. It's uh, like 28 that's a, lot teams, of losses. that's a lot of 54 is a lot of losses. It's 
you know, it's a lot of L's. I'll probably take the over, but not by much. I think I have the Wizards coming in at like 33 wins, 33 to – I don't have them at 40 wins. 40 wins is too high. Somewhere between 30 and like 37 wins is where I had the Wizards at this year. Um but that's just how the roster is now with no injuries. Uh, injury, you, get, you throw an injury into this mix, especially with somebody who's really... Uh, one injury, it just takes one. It just, just, uh, this roster really just won't take one injury to put it at that 20. Oh, whew. Uh, now I'm saying that it it's the it's there's there's oh there's 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 one there's literally one injury between between thirty wins and twenty wins, right? Um, and especially if like I said, if somebody who we don't have like if Thomas Bryant goes out for six weeks, you know, I think that's enough of an impact that's going to lose us. Five to six games, we probably would have won with him. Because, yeah. yeah, so, uh, I, like I said, it's uh, for if, oh, this just brings up the whole Wizards argument again. Because if a team is one injury away from a 21 season, that's not a good team. And so I'm just. Well, but that, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of the Lakers last year. Honestly, if we're being honest. And the Lakers weren't a good team. They were a bad team surrounded by LeBron. And it wasn't just one injury. It wasn't like Lonzo Ball was healthy all year. It wasn't like... Well, no, um, Lonzo Ball's never been healthy. I don't even yeah, care. That's what I'm saying. Lonzo Ball was never healthy. Brandon Ingram wasn't, wasn't 100% healthy. They had other injuries to players on their team that wasn't just LeBron. LeBron going down hurt, but they weren't fully healthy all year round, and they were playing in the West, but that wasn't a good team to begin with. You know, they went all out to get LeBron. They thought they going to get Paul George. They did it, and so they were one superstar surrounded by a bunch of young talent and washed-up talent, and so they they were. I didn't like that Lakers team to begin with. They just thought that it could do the, he could do the same thing that he did in Cleveland the year before and take a bunch of players who weren't good enough and wheeled them to the playoffs. Well, had he been healthy, he probably could have done it. But, um, yeah, no, I just – but, you know, no matter what, no team that is one injury away from having a 60-loss season is a good team, plain and simple. So – I get the low 20, 28 wins might seem low, but I get why they say that because it's the odds are that there will be a significant injury, even if it's for a week or two, and significant being a player who gets significant minutes. Hey, CJ CJ Miles is has already had surgery for a left for his his uh, a stress fracture in his left in his left leg. I think it was. He yeah. just had surgery. He just had surgery this week. So, ah, uh, here we go again. Uh, like I said, I mean, yeah, here we go again. I'm not the high on CJ Miles though. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, but point. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like you know, it's like it's par for the course for this team. Yeah. So that's yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I was ready to give the Wizards between 35 and 40 wins, and I think, uh. I think the more you talk, I was like, oh, wait, that's, 
that's that's high. That's that's a little high. Like forty for wins team. gets them almost into the playoffs. Like for, like forty eight in this in this in this Eastern Conference, forty wins could probably make the playoffs. Nah, the Eastern, I think the Eastern Conference is a little bit better than it has been in a few years. I think you have to have uh, a few. I think you have to be a few games over five hundred to get into the playoffs for the first time. I I don't think a forty two or forty team makes the playoffs this year. I don't. I don't know that that bo- that bottom half. That bottom half, like outside of, outside of. So we got the the, the Raptors are going to be a factor. They're not going to be the top team in the East, but they're going to nope. be a factor. Um, the the Philadelphia is going to be good. Um, Boston's going to be around the middle somewhere, probably. Philly, Philly will be good. Boston Philly, will be uh, good. Milwaukee, Milwaukee will be good. Milwaukee probably be the best team in the East. So whenever, right. Whenever the Pacers get, get Oladipo back, they'll be up there. Um, so you, those are, let's say those are your top four teams. Yeah. Let's say those are, that's your top four. Then yeah, let's you say, have, yeah, yeah, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, uh, Philly, Boston. Boston. Indiana. Indiana. Let's say there's your top four. Um, you got and then you who, got the you got the, net, the the Nets are gonna make it. They're not gonna yeah. be a top seed, but they're gonna make it. Um, five. Let's and let's say the, 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 did I did we, did we put the Raptors in the top four? Yes. Nope. So the Raptors no. will be in the, the top Raptors four. are gonna, the Raptors are gonna be in there. You know they're not gonna be again. They're not gonna be a home court advantage team, but they're gonna be in the playoffs. Um, so that leaves. Who's who's fighting? Um, who's fighting for those last? When I think about the teams that are fighting for those last few seeds, the Magic, the Pistons, the the Heat, the yeah, the Heat, they'll be fighting. I I think I think the Heat are sort of in the same sort of purgat- purgatory that the Wizards are in. Um, mm, they're a little better situation they're, than the than the Wizards are anyway. I I don't know, but anyway, to, to answer the question, let me get back to the question. So we could we could debate that another day. You know how you know me in Miami. This whole thing, I'm not yeah. I'm not about that. I could spend a whole hour on that. But um, yeah, I think when you were talking, I was ready to give them about thirty five to forty wins. But yeah, I think there's so much dependent on we don't know what we don't know what this roster we don't know what these players are gonna. Be. Like we know what Bradley Beal is, but one of the things that's always in the back of my head is what did he have his first several years here? Those stress reactions in his leg that would put him out for like a third of the season at least, um, until he finally managed to get healthy and be able to play full seasons. You know, he's one stress reaction away from us being literally a 15 to 20 win team because that's always going to be in the back of your mind he had injury problems his first few years it's always something that i bring up every single year uh the more that we pray play bradley beal the more likely it is that he you know he put he wears down his leg so um 
that's always going to be a thing. Uh, Thomas Bryant has been healthy so far, but again, he's still young. It's only like his third year in the league. So again, he could very get it. He could very well be injured. He could be a difference maker. We don't know what Isaiah Thomas is going to look like. We don't know. Obviously, he's not going to be, you know, Boston Isaiah Thomas. He's not going to be the guy that dropped like 50 on us after his sister passed away tragically. You know, he's, he's not going to be that guy. Uh, but what will he be? Is he going to be, you know, is he going to be a borderline all-star player or is he going to be a guy that's going to give us like eight or 10 points a game? You know, we, we don't know what he's going to be yet. I think there's so many question marks that it makes sense that Vegas gave them such a low number because you have to, you have to always assume the negative. You can't assume the positive. Um, so when you take those question marks into account, I'm still going to take the over, but yeah, I'm going to drop it. I think, what'd you give him? 33 wins, Gerard? Yeah, um, I said, I'm going to say, that's my optimistic. I want to, I, st- I still want to stick to that 35 wins, but you know, after your convincing argument, I might have to drop it to 30. I might, I might go 30 and 52. See, what, yes. no, wait, 30 and. Yeah, you had it right. Yeah, yeah, 30 and 52. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, 30 and 52 sounds, 30 and 52 sounds like, I, I don't want to believe that the Wizards will lose 50 games this year. I, do. um, I, 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 I don't want to believe it. I still, I have, look, I have no, I have to have the courage of my convictions because I've been hyping up Rui Hachimura as this guy is going to be a solid player. You know, he's not going to be, He's not going to be a life changer this year, but one day. But if we're talking about this year, not the future, I guess 50 wins, 50 losses. I'm sorry, 50 losses. Oh, heaven forbid, 50 wins. Um, yeah, I think 50 losses is very much in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say between 30 and 32 wins. I don't, I don't think they'll lose more. Okay, no, I'm gonna go 32 wins. I don't think they'll lose more than 50 games this year. Okay, but I think. Sorry. I think 50 games 50 games is a fair I think 50 games is a 50 losses is a fair assessment I think. Okay, so let me so let's try to do this really quickly. I know I know we're running out of time. Uh so let's break it down like this. They played the, every team in the West twice. So it's 30 games already accounted for. That you already know who you're gonna play? Let's say they're 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 gonna they're gonna beat some of the they're gonna beat like the lower teams. In the I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say of the I, guaranteed playoff teams. Let's call them six guaranteed playoff teams in the West. We don't need to go through them. Let's say there's six guaranteed lock playoff teams in the West, and let's say they go zero and two against every single one of those teams. Say they go so that's zero and that's twelve losses right there, and then let's say they. Let's say they they're, they're gonna they're gonna split. I'm gonna tell you this right now. They're gonna split the season series with Portland because they've done it like every year for the past like for the past like three or four years. They're gonna split the season series with Portland. Eh, uh, okay, uh, you, you say so. Sure, I do uh, say so. Mark my so, words. So, I said I said it before last year too. I said they're gonna split the season series with Portland. They did. They were a better team last year, but. Uh, but yeah, so let's say they go zero and twelve against the top six teams in the West, and then they split 
every other team except for the Suns. Let's say they sweep the Suns. So that gives us what eight teams they split. So that's eight games. So right now they're at eight and twenty. And then they sweep the Suns. So now they're at ten and twenty. So they literally go five they literally go ten and twenty against the West. And so Already you're at 20 losses before you even played a game in the East. And so they play the teams in our division four times each. So let's say they beat the Hornets 3-1. The Hornets still won in Charlotte. So let's say that puts them at 13-21. and Let's say they split against Miami and Atlanta. So that's four. That's 17 and 25. And then let's say they lose to um, Orlando three times. So 18 and 28. And so right now you're already at almost 30 losses. Let's say they lose twice to Toronto to make it an even 30 losses. So it's 18 and 30 already. And let's say against those other teams, they lose three more times against the Bucks. So that's 33 losses, three more times to the Sixers. That's 36 losses. And let's say they lose two times to the Nets. That's 38 losses. They lose two times to Brooklyn. That's 40 losses right there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. You just said the Nets. I said the Nets already. I you say the, did you mean the did you mean the, not the, the, Knicks, the Knicks? Not the Knicks. No. Let's say I meant the Raptors. Did I already say the Raptors? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Say the Raptors already. Then who, we who we write this down. The, the Pacers. The Pacers. The Pacers. The Pacers. So the, okay. So yeah. So there are forty wins. The forty there are forty losses right there. So between the and so I haven't gotten to the Pistons series yet. Right. I haven't gotten to the Knicks series yet. I haven't gotten to the Cavalier series, the Chicago series, the Boston series, or the the, the wizard. The wizards are good. The wizards are good enough to sweep at least two of the teams that you've mentioned so far. Let's say they let's say they sweep Chicago and Cleveland, which I don't think they're good enough to sweep those two teams. But for our they're going to they're going to they're going to sweep Cleveland. Cleveland, okay. Okay, so let's say there's six wins right there. So between Boston, Detroit, and New York, to get out of the 50 losses, they have to avoid losing 10 games between those three those three teams, and they'll probably play them a total of 12 times. So they have to go 10, and two. 10 and 2 against Boston, Detroit, and uh, Boston, Detroit, and what's the other one? I think I think you're uh, Boston, Boston, Detroit, and the uh, Knicks. Indy. No, the, the Knicks. The Knicks. Am I forgetting a team? I think you're giving. I think you're giving the Pacers too much credit. No, the Pacers are really good. The Pacers. The Pacers made the playoffs without Oladipo last year. They get yeah, but they were they were already they were already in a pretty good situation. They weren't top two team when he went down. They were around four or five when he went down. And the games between like the fourth seed and the ninth seed were like six games or something like that. They could have very easily been knocked out the playoffs. Right, but they did. But they did. They did give up. 
Didn't they give up Bogdanovich? He's not there anymore. And isn't they he, got back. Gone? Didn't they give back Malcolm Brogdon? Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon was. No, was just, it was a signing trade. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon. So, yeah. so I'd rather have Brogdon than uh, Bogdanovich. He much better really? on defense. Yes, much I mean, better. yeah, yeah, Brogdon's, okay, yeah. yeah Brogdon's right. younger. He's much better on defense. He can run the point for you, and he shoots it about as efficiently as Bogdanovich does. He's part a of the 50-40-90 club. Yeah, oh, yeah so, he is. so pair him with Oladipo. That's probably one of the best defensive backcourts. But but, that, but that's my league. but that's my question. Do we we don't know when Oladipo is going to be back? Oladipo yet. should be back before December. I don't. I I don't. They expect him to play most of the season. I, I don't think he'll be out. No, he's not. He's not going. He's not going to miss the season. But uh, yeah, I but just he's, don't know he's he'll he'll be back. I want to say he'll be back sometime this calendar year. I don't think. I think he'll be back before Christmas. Is what I'm saying. And so they have a good enough roster to you know hold the water until they get Oladipo back and they have talent in the team. And so. You know, depending on how the games are portioned out for the Wizards, like how many games against the Pacers they get with all the people without, that plays that plays a lot into it too. Was, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, I was very and I and for a lot of those and for a lot of those situations, that was very liberal because the Wizards could easily get swept by. Eight to nine teams out west. The west is very deep. I just said they got swept by the top six, and that's just taking into account the two LA teams that are probably going to lots for the uh, playoffs. The uh, uh, the Rockets, the Nuggets. Um, you wouldn't let me include the uh, Trailblazers, so I didn't include them. Yeah, um, I think I think Utah, I think they can. I think they can, yeah, Utah, Utah's going to sweep them for sure. Um, I think Golden because, State. yeah, Golden State's going to sweep them because I think people are sweeping, sleeping on Golden State. They're going to. Yeah. But they could, gonna, easily, they could easily be swept. There's very possible they could get swept by teams like the Mavericks, teams like they're going to, the they're going to get swept by the Mavericks. They just don't play. They just don't play the Mavericks very well. Um, they yeah, the, about teams like the Spurs, the Grizzlies aren't a slouch. They shouldn't get swept, but who knows? No, they can they can split they can split with the Grizzlies. I, they I can agree. split. They, I, they can split I, with a lot of those teams. Yeah, I, I think, think they can split with the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the Blazers. Not the Nuggets. They're not I, they can, good of a team. They can. Nah, the they can. Too good of a team. They, and they can don't play split. well in Denver. So I don't. The Nuggets. Right. They can. They can beat them in DC because the Nuggets don't play well in DC. I don't I, like. I, like I said, you know, that's being that's being very liberal. They could be, and they've been swept by Southeast op- opponents plenty of times. No matter how good the Heat are, they always seem to have trouble with the Heat, and they always seem to have trouble with the Hornets. No matter how good they are, even well, that's because they have really they good. have. That's because the Wizards have trouble with with teams that have good bigs, and and the the even the Heat always had. Hassan Whiteside, who just kind of bullied them on the inside. Um, even though I'm not crazy about Hassan Whiteside, he gave the Wizards fits. Um, you know, Charlotte. Charlotte's always had some some random guy that can go off on 
that just goes off on the Wizards. But it's that was more the Wizards being bad than whoever their big was being good. The Hornets have not had a good big since Omeka. No, no, I'm no. As far as the Hornets, I mean, it's always going to be it's always some random guy on the Hornets who's having a terrible season who will drop like twenty five or thirty against the Wizards. Not necessarily just a big, but it'll be like you know Frank Kaminsky would have a good game or something. I mean, he's not there anymore. But you know, somebody random would have a good game because that's just how the Wizards are. Um, and, and that's what I'm. And that's and that was the Wizards that had a fully healthy roster. And even they're not. They're not going to lose. They're not going to lose three times to Orlando. At at worst, they're going to at at worst they're going to split with Orlando. At worst, Orlando's probably the most. Orlando's probably the safest bet to win the Southeast Division this year. It's pretty much going into it between Miami and Orlando. And Orlando's probably the team you pick because they made it last year and they brought back virtually the same team. And so Earl Angel said that the Wizards have fits against bigs and their entire team are nothing but bigs. And so I don't see because there's going to be a point in the game where, like, you're going to have Thomas Bryant or Mo Wagner trying to check Aaron Gordon. And so it's – that's not great. And the Miami, they have shooters. They have uh, Jimmy Butler, and they have Bam Adebayo, who's you know doesn't have Hassan Whiteside there blocking his development anymore, so he might be able to take a step in his game. And then I really like this Atlanta Hawks team. I think that this Atlanta Hawks team is better than people are giving them credit for. They're very young, but they made a lot of smart moves this offseason to bring in veteran guys that could help them win right away while still developing their young players. Like they're start they're. 10-man rotation is better than 25 teams in this league. And so I it's, you know, I really like that Atlanta team. And Atlanta is always a tough, game, a tough series for the Wizards. I could see them getting swept by Atlanta this year. Atlanta's, this Atlanta team is very, very good, in my opinion. So, like I said, 28 wins. And in the span of five to ten minutes, I just got to forty losses very quickly. And yeah, J- left- Jabari, Jabari Parker is going to drop forty on the Wizards this year. Well, at least one of the at least one of the times, and he might not even start by the time we get to like January. You know, they might have the DeAndre Hunter started. They might have, uh, they might have some of their younger guys. Uh, getting minutes over a guy like Jabari Parker. And so, you know, like I said, I really do like that Atlanta Hawks team. I think they have made all the right moves to build around Trey Young, and they're going to be good for a very long time. So, like I said, I don't know. I just – 2018 – 28 wins, I mean, seemed very low, but – there's a very real world where I could see that happening. And so maybe I might switch it. Maybe I'll take the under. I might take the under. Um, ugh, I'd rather, there's probably another prop bet for the Wizards I'd rather have than wins 
to win totals. I probably would rather have uh, if you took. If I'd rather take. I'd rather take a lottery position thing where over under the you know, lottery position for the Wizards if there will be in the top five lottery by the end of the season or not. Uh, uh, they're definitely top five. They're definitely top five. They're top five worst teams in the, in the league right well, now. That, that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean top five lottery is. I meant seen. lottery. I meant lottery off, not the actual yeah. like selection. Right. Uh, so they're definitely fi- the one of the five worst teams in the league. I'm having trouble thinking of three teams that are worse than the Wizards. Yeah, in the in the league. In the league. Oh, jeez. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing this right now. We need another. We need another hour. We need another oh, hour man. for this. Gerard, oh. pessimistic. That's oh. a. That's a. That's a hot take, Gerard. That's a hot take. I don't think the sh- the Hornets are the worst team in the league by far. The Hornets. Yes, the Hornets in the all, league. The whole, name a worse team than the Hornets. I think. I think they're. I think they're. I think they're gonna be kind of tied with the Suns. They'll, pro- they'll probably be I mean, up, easily, about on par with the Suns. Easily worse teams than the Wizards are Phoenix, Hornets, Phoenix, Memphis. Uh, you, I don't know about Memphis. I don't, they're, they're not going to be a good team, but Memphis, Memphis, that grit and grind, there's something to that. Cleveland is worse than them. Cleveland is worse. That's what I was thinking of. Cleveland. Cleveland Cle- is going to be worse. Cleveland Cleveland is worse unless no, Garland and Sexton. Not unless. No, there's no unless. Cleveland, Cleveland is terrible. Is Cleveland is terrible. Uh I don't see how they're leaps and bounds better than the Wizards, but okay, sure. I'll I'll I'll, I'll succeed on Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland's worse. I'll take that one. Phoenix, I, Phoenix Charlotte, Cleveland. Um, Phoenix, I, I'm, Phoenix I, is run worse than the Wizards, but I like their roster better than the Wizards roster this year. They made a lot of stupid decisions. I don't. They made a lot of choices that I don't know why they made it. But a starting lineup that includes Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric, and Ricky Rubio is not a bad starting lineup at all. It's better than one that includes Isaiah Thomas and CJ Miles. I'm still not. I'm still not convinced the Knicks are better than the Wizards. Oh man, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. That's it. We're gonna leave it there. Uh, It's going to be an interesting basketball season coming up, especially with all the stuff that has been said. But but just to recap, both of you all said over if everyone's healthy. Am I correct? Assuming assuming everybody's relatively healthy and nobody misses a huge stretch of games, they should win at least 30 games. So I'll probably take the over. And you you agree the same thing, uh, Darren? Yeah, if 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 everybody's health, honestly, if everybody's healthy, I'm still I'm still in that 35 wins range. I don't think they're gonna lose 50 games. Yeah, I think they're they're gonna win about 35 games, in my opinion. So I'm 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 going with the over. Uh, I think just 
because there'll be no trades during the year um, unless you know Bradley Beal really says he wants to be out of here. But other compared to last year where there were so many trades, I don't think there'll be trades. I don't think there'll be chemistry issues coming up in like February and March. I think this team will be this team from the beginning to the end. So I think they'll win 35 games in my opinion. All right. That will do it for us here at DMV dispute. Hopefully you, hopefully you all enjoyed the show. And if you did subscribe to us, wherever podcasts are available, maybe even leave us a review on that podcast platform of your choice to help us grow in the charts. You can find us on Twitter at DMV dispute. You can find me on Twitter at J squared zero two one. Darren, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at D-Bird Hoops. That is D-B-I-R-D Hoops. Shout out to Erica Wheeler of the of the Indiana Fever, who is the WNBA All-Star MVP. Also, NBA fans, look out for uh, hockey-style subs coming soon to, your, uh, to an <laughs> NBA game near you. All right. What about you, Gerard? They can find me on Twitter at RoddyKG. That's at R-O-D-B-Y-K-G As Madden comes out this week guys Be sure to keep up with my Twitter page Be talking a lot about that when it drops Also it's fantasy football season Very excited about it I'll be tweeting uh, what's going on All the different leagues I'll be going in on draft night And keeping up about that So please make sure you like, follow, subscribe To our podcast And check us out on our Twitter pages yeah don't forget to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com follow them on instagram and twitter at dmv underscore sn and if you want to join the team contact them via twitter the website or shoot them an email at dmvsportsnetwork at outlook.com man on twitter this weekend miami heat twitter is ridiculous so I, i'm in agreement uh, with you uh darren don't I even get me started I don't know if I can deal with them. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.